Hello and welcome to episode 16 of The Shrinkcast. And today we are going to talk about what day of the week is it? <laughs> How's that for an honest title? I told you I'd be honest in this summer series. Here we go. So I had the joy of being in New York this last weekend Um I had two, well, actually I had three speaking engagements for two different organizations, and there is a hustle to New York City that I found fascinating to be part of. Um, In fact, I was at a meeting with um, our programs manager. He and I get together for coffee every Monday morning to talk about the week at Kesed, and um, I was telling him that... I was experiencing a kind of mild culture shock coming back to Denver, even after just being gone since last Thursday. And so I was only there for about four days, but I was so aware of how quiet it was all around me, Um, which is interesting because Denver is known right now for how quickly it's growing and how much traffic is expanding in our city. Um, And doesn't that often happen with travel, where we go to another place, we're almost transported into a different portal of being, and the hyper-stimulation and all the sights and sounds and smells and people and... Move literal movement. I mean, I woke up one night. Um, I was staying at a friend's house on the Lower West Side, um, and I woke up and uh, it sounded outside like what rush hour sounds like in Denver, and it was like three a.m. <laughs> and so I come back to Denver, and I live in the city. I live uh, very near to downtown. And I walked to our coffee meeting, and it was like this gorgeous, quiet, just rested. And I was so aware of it. Do you ever have those moments where you just have this new awareness of your daily life or just this infusion of experience, right? And uh, as Phil and I were talking, he asked, you know, how was your time when you went to New York? And I said it was great. Um, but also the very first thing I did when I got back was go to an appointment with my acupuncturist uh, <laughs> because uh, it, it was a lot on my body. And something that I have learned over the last couple of years is to listen when you have your body telling you things about your tiredness. Um, Historically, I'm a plower. (laughs) Any of you plowers out there? Um, That's quite the analogy. And normally I would plow through life. I, I would just put my head down and say, well, I need to go on to the next thing. You know, in a way, even jumping into doing this shrink cast, I'm I'm feeling a newfound excitement for talking with all of you about some real sides of what it means to be a therapist, which is really what it means to just be a human. 
and uh, to pull back the curtain a little bit and talk about new kinds of ideas. And I already did a couple takes and it just was not working out. <laughs> you know, when you get so excited about an idea and then when you sit down to do it and you're just like, wah, wah, no, it's not coming together like I thought it would. And then I realized I haven't eaten breakfast. And it's like 10 a.m. And this morning I had uh, early morning coffee with a friend who needed to be at work by nine. And so loved getting together with him and my morning schedule got thrown off. And so I came back and jumped into my work and it was time to record this shrink cast. And I sat down and uh, it was forced, right? And what I realized was I hadn't really gotten present. And then I realized I haven't even eaten breakfast. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's that simple. I'm hungry. And I didn't even know it. And when I came back from New York and I was having this coffee with Phil and he was asking me about how it went, there was, there was this honesty about, you know, I... I feel like when I woke up, I couldn't really remember what day it was. And it's not apathy. It's not necessarily depression. I know what both of those things feel like. It just, I'm recovering. I'm tired. I'm just tired. And it's a Monday morning where my, my old self would say, it's time to jump in. It's the beginning of the week. Just, you know, get it, get to it. We're, we're starting. And uh, it was such a gift to sit with one of our staff and him to just nod and say, yeah, I can, I can imagine it's taken a couple days to recover. Welcome home. And uh, what, a, what a gift to be able to just show up as we are. You know, what a gift when we can sit in a room and say, this thing was so good and I am so tired. I don't even know what day of the week it is. In fact, even, even when I was preparing for this podcast, I realized I had to remember that it, today, the day we're recording is a Thursday. And I'd even, I'd even forgotten as I was thinking through that thought, that is where I am this week, my friends. And it is good to be with you here. Uh, I got a couple of announcements. Yes, that was just the intro. But a couple of announcements for you today. Uh, in case you don't know, we just launched a new site uh, north of Denver in Broomfield with our community partner, The Refuge. Shout out to The Refuge. If you don't know about The Refuge in Broomfield, check them out because it is an incredible organization and we are honored to be partnering with them for a Kessid site. So if you are anywhere close to that neighborhood, feel free to call us on our main number, 720-575-9889. And you can get connected to a therapist at a Kesset site nearest you. That's pretty fun to say. Our Arvada location, heads up, just switched locations. It's still in Arvada, 
But our partnership is with a really cool counseling center called Transitions Counseling Center. And they just moved office sites. So if you are a Nevada friend, check out on our website the updated location. And then the last thing I wanted to tell you all, because it caught me by surprise this morning, I was uh, looking through some things uh, related to our programs and came across a statistic and found out that as of today, as of the day of this recording, just on the very first week of June, we have already provided 787 counseling sessions this year in the Denver area. How great is that? (laughs) I am thrilled um, to be able to share that statistic because what it is, is it's not just a statistic, it's a story. It's a story of the heart of who we are at Kesed. Our very name means loving kindness. And to be able to say, as just a three-year-old organization, that we have provided almost 800 counseling sessions in half a year, in less than half a year, is amazing. And it is because of people like you, listener, who believe in this thing and believe that mental health matters to the point of telling your friend if they're asking for help that there is a place called Kesed that they can call. So thank you to all of you who, uh, the, the word that our staff has started to use is Kesed advocate. Thank you for being a Kesed advocate, whether that's naming the importance of mental wellness in your own life and being willing to share that in conversations when friends ask how you are and you say, hey, I'm, I'm processing a lot right now in my life. And you invite them into that story or you have handed a friend a Kesed business card and said, call this place. It sounds like you need to talk to someone uh, to showing up at one of our events or becoming a monthly donor or whatever avenue it is. Thank you. Um, this is what can change the picture and invite all of us to a new conversation around mental wellness. So that's it, my friends. Well, that's it for announcements, but we're just about to jump into the dang thing. So welcome to episode 16, What Day of the Week Is It? And uh, so we talked about Monday coming back from New York Um, So let's talk about Tuesday. Tuesday, I had one of those days that was kind of like back-to-back meetings. Have you ever had that where you've been like out of town and you want to make up for your time away and so you jump into your week and you're like, yeah, I'll just, you know, schedule all those meetings for the day after I get back and that'll make sense. And then you jump into that day and realize, I mean, my body can show up to these meetings, but I'm not sure whether or not my mind will follow. And you, uh, you, you do the best you can. And it just so happened that I had like two breaks in the whole workday between, between meetings on Tuesday. And so, of course, during those breaks, I made my lunch and tried to do things that like, were restful. And at each time, I got a phone call. And it was an unavoidable phone call and an understandable phone call. 
Um, but the second break, I got a phone call um, from my executive assistant, Zach, and um, there was something that unexpectedly um, wasn't what we thought it would be. And so he was calling me to brainstorm what we could do instead, right? Like, how can we facilitate a plan B for this project we are working on? And I don't know what it was, but somewhere in the conversation, we just start laughing (laughs) and like catching up and talking about our weekends. Um, And then I found out that he sent me an email. Um, His birthday is this week. Happy birthday to Zach. Uh, And we had been talking about wanting to get together to celebrate. And apparently he wrote me an email on Tuesday morning asking if we could hang out later that day. And I hadn't yet read it. Remember that I had back-to-back meetings. (laughs) And so by the time we were on the phone in the afternoon, he goes, by the way, um, I followed up about us hanging out in email. Not sure if you saw it. Oh man, I, I didn't see it. And then he goes, he goes, yeah, I was thinking like, you know, right now we can hang out. And then I paused and I said, well, what if we did hang out right now? Let's do it. And so (laughs) on a Tuesday afternoon, Zach came over and we had coffee and just hung out for an hour to celebrate his birthday and catch up. And so then what was this interruption and afternoon break um, in between meetings became this invitation to connect. And uh, when we did hang out, I found myself just just taking a deep breath and getting present. And it was amazing because when we finished our conversation, uh, we we went to a pizza shop across the street because I was hungry and, and so we were going to grab some pizza. And um, somebody else on our team, Phil, was trying to get a hold of Zach and he had just looked down at his phone for the first time. And then <laughs> there was like a couple messages. The first one was Phil trying to get a hold of Zach. And then the second message was Phil saying, oh, I see you're with Heather, so never mind. And then Zach looks at me and he goes, how does Phil know that we're hanging out? (laughs) And what I realized was I had put in my work calendar that Zach and I decided to meet that afternoon. And so apparently when Phil couldn't get a hold of Zach, he looked at my calendar to see if we were all hanging out. And suddenly I loved the fact that looking at each other's work calendars was how we kept track of each other and how um, we communicated. And so this funny, weird, serendipitous um, moment on a Tuesday afternoon with a bunch of coworkers became this comedy show of funny jokes to us that erupted into a catharsis of laughter. And all I can tell you is by the end of that Tuesday afternoon, hanging out with Zach and reflecting on the meetings I had had and the check-ins I had had with our team so far, my heart was just full. And it was this fullness that didn't take away the fact that my body was also, is also 
still recovering. And even today, as I was thinking about the title of this podcast for our summer series together, what day of the week is it? Uh, It can be such a gift to be surrounded by friends and coworkers especially that meet us in that place and welcome welcome us just as we are celebrate who we are laugh together based on where we are and connect in all the different ways that we connect and then this morning I had an opportunity, like I mentioned, I, I met a friend for coffee earlier this morning. And uh, it was a coffee that I have often, actually. And it's, and it's a coffee with a friend in the mental health industry. Um, and I have many coffees with friends in the mental health industry. And there's tends to be a theme that I've noticed that has started And that theme is burnout. And oftentimes my friends that work in different places and spaces, uh, for some reason, I don't know if it's because I'm so passionate about advocating for clinicians thriving or my love for working with counselors who are starting their first private practice or business, but I find myself being asked often to meet when someone is just, just exhausted in this work. And so it was such a gift to be with this friend this morning. And one of the things that kept kind of coming up as this revolving question in me as we were talking and as I was reflecting on how many times I meet with friends who are in this space, the question that kept coming up for me is, why do we do this? Why do we do this work? of mental health? Why do we give our vocational time or our career to showing up for those who are in their darkest moments? And the first thing that came to my mind was actually, um, I thought about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And in case you're not familiar with that, Maslow's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, excuse me, Um, Basically, it it looks at human needs on a building block type of system. So if you think about it, kind of the bottom, and and it's framed often like a pyramid, but the bottom or baseline need that we all have is physiological, right? I I need my heart to pump. I I need breath to come through my lungs. I need uh, my brain to keep functioning and sending impulses throughout my body to function as well. And so that's just baseline. And then above that, you can think about things like shelter or food, sustenance, water, hydration. What does it mean for us to have basic needs of food storage, right? Um, A place to lay our head at night. And then as you go up the hierarchy of needs, you move through things like love and belonging or um, self-actualization right at the top. And as I was processing through this this question of what day is it this week, uh, there is a certain way in which 
because I have been so tired from giving in such beautiful and exciting and fun ways this last weekend, I'm not necessarily functioning on all cylinders. But because I have this environment around me of uh, staff that encourages self-care and a partner that supports me recovering after a long week and a warm home where I can do that, um, it's not debilitating for me. I see, I see the other side, right? I see uh, the joy in the process. And I even learned some lessons. I learned some lessons this last weekend of ways that I can take care of my body the next time I have quite a few speaking engagements. But as I was sitting with this friend, yeah, I just got this sense of like, there's not another side. <laughs> like, There's just exhaustion and not wanting that anymore. And that's different, right? That's different than just a, I had a long week. And I think that's important to note because life does ebb and flow. But something that I particularly notice about counselors is we really struggle to acknowledge when our exhaustion has has surpassed just that weekend that was a full weekend and is our status quo, which is for many therapists, I know, the case. And so if you actually think about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and translate it to this experience, what you can see is that um, oftentimes it's very easy, and and this can be true no matter what work we do, but it is so easy sometimes to engage our work in the world from a survival standpoint, right? Like maybe you're, maybe you're burnout, but you, but you know what? It's a job and it's a job that pays your bills. Or maybe you're aware that you're burnout and you are wanting to change, but any alternative any idea that you have about that other thing that you can do, it just is so exhausting, isn't it? It's just so, I was even holding that with my friend this morning. It's so exhausting to think about anything else. It's just so exhausting. And uh, and then there's some of my friends who actually may not necessarily say that they're burnt out. They may not necessarily even say that they're in survival mode. But there isn't a total fulfillment in the work that they do, right? Like maybe they are enjoying their work because of their coworkers, but not necessarily because of the executives or even necessarily maybe because of the work itself. But there's a sense of like belonging, Right, So it's not just about survival. It's not just about I have to have this job to get an income and I can't think about any other option. But maybe it's a sense of, no, I, I feel belonging with my coworkers or I feel belonging in this industry because I get it. Or maybe it even fulfills a certain kind of inner why. Like I, for example, have always uh, found such sacredness in getting to be with people in whatever they're experiencing as darkness. That's always been deeply fulfilling for me, regardless of whether or not I am wearing my therapist hat. Um, 
when I step into a room. And so there is this kind of belonging that being a therapist has to my own inner why. Uh, Or maybe you're doing the work that you do because of a value you have, right? Like I know many counselors that really believe that changing through relationship and creating a therapeutic space for mental wellness can transform our life. It can invite the potential for us to thrive and not just barely survive. That's so true. But then there's this other part of work, right? There's this other part that of, of doing the things that we do in the world that I think often gets missed, but it's really, it's really the heart of the whole thing. And that is doing what you do for the joy of it. And that, and that's really what nestled so deep in my bones this week is that I know, I know that space of not being able to see the other side. In fact, I return there. <laughs> there isn't ever a sense of always being beyond that, but rather seasons, right? Revol- revolutions. Um, and my friend being in this space of exhaustion and, and survival, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to be there, you know, and then, and then kind of being in that middle space, love and belonging can be so meaningful, but then there's sometimes seasons of our life where that's, that's not fulfilling anymore. We're being, we're being invited to more. We're being invited to more. And, and I even have this question that has been just revolving around me specifically because my work is in the mental wellness sector and burnout is so common in the work that we do. That I've, I've been wondering, what would it be if every therapist was in this work because of the joy it brought them. Mm. And joy builds on love and belonging, and it builds on the ways that our basic needs are met too. But joy is terrifying, as the great Dr. Brene Brown says in her book, Daring Greatly. It's, in fact, it's thought to be the most terrifying thing for a human to lean into. And what's so ironic is I see that joy is definitely the most terrifying thing that I see counselors be invited to lean into. Like, for example, what if I let myself really love the people I work with, really enjoy the job that I show up to every day? I don't know about you, but the first thing that I often think of afterwards is how it can all go wrong right? People are going to move. I can't let myself lean in. My store, my coworkers are going to change. What if the organization isn't as trustworthy as I hope it would be? What's underneath? What am I missing? It can be so hard to 
let ourselves just nestle, enjoy, relax into the joy of it all. You know, in the spirit of joy and nerdum, <laughs> my own sense of nerdum, I, I looked up the definition of joy. You know, it can be one of those emotions that you're so aware of as this universal invitation for humanity. And yet, how do you define joy? Happiness, right? Like, how do you, what is the difference? Um, I actually remember in graduate school writing the paper on the difference between joy and happiness. But uh, when you return to the definition, it, it's a noun and joy means a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. A feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And the example within a sentence that's given is tears of joy. Have you ever had tears of joy? <laughs> and then I looked at some of the synonyms. Some of the synonyms of joy, in case you didn't know, are delight jubilation, haven't heard that word in a long time, triumph, exultation, rejoicing, happiness, glee, exhilaration. I don't even know how to pronounce the next word. Ebullience, <laughs> exuberance, elation, euphoria, bliss, ecstasy, radiance. Who doesn't want that? Um, yeah. And, and so I wonder for you, listener to the shrink cast, when is the last time that you smiled at work? I think that that is, that's a really good place to start. In some ways, smiling and laughing with my coworkers this week kind of helped to get my system back into gear of remembering that recovering from a full weekend is a short time. And it'll be a couple days and I'll, I'll be going again and maybe it will be a full week of recovery. Let's see, we're, we're on Thursday today and I feel about 75% back to normal. But to sit with a team that I have so much joy working with. There's so much fullness to it. It brought me back. And uh, getting to be with my friend this morning in that space. Recognizing, seeing, remembering, holding, being there. In the ways that survival is the only thing that can be seen. Joy is... Mm, Maybe a far-off memory, or maybe even, at this point, a fantasy. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's accessible to all of us and each of us. Maybe it's in those moments where we lean in deeper. You know, I, I think it's interesting that the phrase used in the dictionary to help describe joy is tears of joy. <laughs> Tears of joy. I don't know if that's an oxymoron, a paradox. Uh, tears of joy. But isn't it true? Because, you know, something that I always tell clients who are new to therapy when they come in for their very first session, <laughs> I laugh because I'm giving a secret away, but it's a good one to know. Um, 
whenever people come in, you know, oftentimes someone is coming in because something's wrong, right? I, I can't figure out this thing in my life. I can't seem to settle in this transition. I can't seem to stop thinking about this person. Uh, I can't seem to recover from this thing. And we want to be happy, right? That's, that's, that's often the goal I hear from people. I want to feel better. And, and why not? Of course we do. Of course we want relief. Of course we want to feel better. But the thing I always tell people is, I hear you. But chesed or counseling is not just going to give you happiness. It's going to give you more expansiveness. Because in order to feel deeper joy... We got to stretch our ability to feel it all. You know, when oftentimes when somebody comes in to get help, their range of emotion is pretty slim because either they're so tired, they're so worn out, they're so hurt, whatever it may be, they don't have access, right, to depth of joy. Because it also can be very terrifying to feel the depth of pain. So we numb, we avoid, we deny, we react. We do a million different things, don't we? Each of us. But then on the moments where we feel safe to say, this is where I am, and we lean into it, and we face it. Well, suddenly we can receive a gift of stretching, which means as we stretch our capacity for all things, we also stretch our capacity for joy. And so my question is, when was the last time you smiled at work? Because maybe your first step to joy is recovery. Just returning back to your basic needs, scheduling that appointment with the acupuncturist or calling that friend in the industry to say, I'm struggling. I need to talk through it. I don't know what to do. And all the alternatives feel just as exhausting, if not more than exhausting than what I'm doing right now. Mm. That is real. And then... A second way for how you can get to joy. What if you ask the question, what is a rule I need to break? Right? Like, what is a rule I need to break? One of the ones that I love breaking most with counseling friends I know is, what if I did my own thing? Oftentimes when... I've invited uh, therapist friends who have worked in certain settings for a long time to consider that the first reaction is, I want to have a panic attack. (laughs) And that could be very real. There could be so much fear. I don't know how to start a business. I don't know what that means. I know it's a lot. It feels like this big thing. I can't do it. I just need things to get easier. No way. (sighs) Breathe. What if you broke a rule? 
And what if that rule that you break is just whatever thing that keeps bubbling up in you and your first inner response is no. Nope. No. (laughs) What if you just said yes? What if you said yes enough to like write down the idea? doesn't even mean you have to do it. You just wrote it down. Which leads to a third question that you can ask, ask yourself for how you could consider what it means to engage all of life with joy wherever you may find yourself or find the path that heads there to see beyond a sense of survival or a sense of lukewarmness that we may be in. And this last question is, where is the gift? Where is the gift in this? You know, when you're in survival mode, there there aren't a lot of gifts. You know, there, there, there can be a huge relief when you're in survival mode and someone gives you the gift of cold water. Or you have a friend who takes you out to a nice dinner. Ah, that can just taste so good. You know, or like when you go camping and you come back and you have your first meal. Yeah, that can taste so good. That can taste so good. But it's also momentary, right? Because you wake up the next morning and you're back in the same survival place. And when you're in the in-between, there can definitely be gratitudes that you see all around But one of the things that I know about the people who are most joyful, they're also the people I know who are filled with the deepest amount of gratitude for all of it. Because remember, you can't have joy without openness to receive everything, including receiving the ways that you may need to recover or the ways that you're maybe being invited to take a risk. Or even the ways that you are being invited to reframe what has happened and to see the gift. The great gift in it. It hasn't been until recently. Which is why I also think I'm talking about it a bit more. But it hasn't been recently until I've seen what a gift it was for my body to break down in my late 20s and for me to face how stress has taken too much of a toll for too long and I am too young. But to face it, to dive deeper into it, to allow it to change me over the last six months, to see the gifts in all the loss that has happened, all the consequences all the ways that I felt shame, all the relationships that shifted, all the ways that things play into each other, all the messiness that comes with, comes with all of it. It's been such a gift. And so friends, what if it's all a gift? Every bit of it. And what if opening ourselves to the invitations of the rule that we can break to open our mind, to 
to open our options, to open our awareness, as well as an honest look at how laughter or a natural sense of joy or smiling has played itself out in our life. What if we listened and said yes? Not in like a fake sort of way, right? Remember the rules for this summer, authenticity. But in a real sort of way where you can say, I I have had to ask myself every day this week, what day is it? (laughs) Because I am so tired. And yet, what a gift to learn how to recover, to listen to my body, to laugh with coworkers, to be proactive in setting aside time, and to even sit with a friend who can't see beyond their survival and to be with them. What a gift that they reached out. What a gift that they opened themselves up. What a gift that they are welcoming that there could be a different way. That thriving could be possible, even for us. Peace to your week.